Welcome to this special edition of Orioles on the Verge. This is Zach Spedden, joined as always by Bob Phelan and Nick Stevens. And we are coming to you right after the announcement that the Orioles have acquired Corbin Burns from the Milwaukee Brewers in exchange for D.L. Hall, Joey Ortiz, and the 34th overall pick in this, this year's draft. With this move, the Orioles land their ace as Burns, who finished eighth in National League Cy Young Award voting last year, has been one of the best pitchers in baseball over the last several years, and he won the Cy Young Award in 2021. There's a lot to get into with this move, which we're going to discuss tonight. One thing to note, the Orioles are acquiring Burns in his final year before he hits free agency, but they clearly get the guy who's going to pitch at the top of their rotation this year and get themselves a bona fide ace that makes them a lot stronger going into 2024. So, Bob, I'll start with you, and we'll kind of break down each component of this deal throughout this episode. But just your reaction to the Orioles getting their ace, and their ace being Corbin Burns. Well, uh, it's going to be hard to put in words. I mean, we did wait like an hour or two before we went live here to kind of breathe a little bit, get ourselves together, make sure there weren't any extra details that come out. But obviously, extremely excited, extremely happy. Mixed emotions because we're huge fans of DL Hall. We're huge fans of Joey Ortiz. Obviously, lose a comp pick for this organization is not like uh, easy to let go either. We know that as far as Elias company. But just to get a bona fide ace, someone who's won the Cy Young, opening day starter. I was just telling you guys before we hopped on here, Burns Bradish Rodriguez, for some reason, sounds a little bit better than Bradish Rodriguez means. No offense to John Means, it just it just does. Uh, this pushes down everyone a slot. God, it's he's got great playoff experience. I think he's got an ERA in the around the mid twos in his career in the playoffs. So, yeah, I think this is amazing. What a couple days in Birdland <laughs> get a new owner and then immediately trade for an ace. And it's like we were saying, Dylan C seems inevitable, but knowing Michael Elias, it's just going to probably be something that comes out of nowhere and. Well, obviously Burns was on the radar as far as a trade candidate. Um, it seemed like they were going to hold on to him, at least going into the season. And, well, here we go. <laughs> Mr. Rubenstein said, go ahead and pull the trigger, Mike, and uh, let's see if he signs an extension. I was kind of hoping that would be the next news that trickled out, but there's still time for that. Very excited. Very, very excited. I, I still don't even know what to say. I don't even know what to do. I really don't. Like it's, it's literally like I don't know what to do with my hands. How are we supposed to act when something like this happens? Like trying to sit here and process this and make sure everything's good to go before we hop on. And I'm just, I'm stunned uh, to be honest. Yeah. That, is this real? Uh, great name, Nick. Um, I don't think it is real. <laughs> and we just recorded. I even, I don't even think I've changed my clothes since we recorded last night. Um, I don't even I'm trying to put all these thoughts together here. Like you make this deal go back to yesterday when we were recording. And I said, I'm hesitant, right? This new ownership, I'm hesitant. It's not going to change this fall season. What the fuck was I thinking about? Like, we're going to just put the explicit tag on this because Mike Elias is a goddamn wizard. This is unbelievable that you traded one prospect, one prospect. And we can talk about these guys they traded. We can go into detail more. But you traded one prospect and a draft pick, F them picks. LA Ram style, F them picks. Who cares? One prospect for... Corbin freaking Burns, like I got, I have no other words. I I really don't know what else to say. Uh, as it, like an immediate reaction, that's my immediate reaction. Holy crap, this is amazing. For the record, yeah. we're new to the 
100 episodes into this show, and this will be the first <laughs> time we have to put the explicit label on one of our episodes. So it's worth it. Remember, it was worth it. Um, Real quick, Nick, what did you tell me Jim Bowden's predicted trade package would have to be for the Orioles to get Corbin Burns coming into oh, the offseason? Yeah. Shout out to – I've seen this on Twitter. Somebody tweeted at us, and i got to find it again. Back in November, Jim Bowden said a – I'm quoting here – a package consisting of Kobe Mayo, D.L. Hall, Chase McDermott, and outfielder Dylan Beavers would probably come close to landing Corbin Burns. Okay. Okay, Jim. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Michael Elias doesn't miss when he trades these types of things, and – uh I guess he can buy as well as he can sell because, goodness gracious, we still have plenty of bullets left if we need someone at the trade deadline. Yo, with Burns, I, I'm surprised not because I didn't think Burns was a target, but because the Brewers have not been acting like a team that was going to trade its ace this offseason. In fact, just mm -hmm. last week, they signed Reese Hoskins to a two-year contract, which is not a team-altering move, but nonetheless, you add a veteran who can make your lineup a little bit better on a two-year major league deal. So Burns, by this point, had dropped off my radar entirely. But for the Orioles to get him for what I think is a very reasonable return for a guy who's only under contract for one more year is great, especially when you consider this. And you know, there's been some analysis pointing to Burns' numbers last year as maybe being pedestrian compared to what he had done in the last two years. But... Number one, he was significantly better in the second half last year. The ERA over a full run lower down the stretch compared to the first half, 3.94 ERA compared to a 2.71 ERA in the second half. Secondly, the innings total, 193 and two-thirds innings pits after coming off a 202 and two-thirds innings pits total the year before. The Orioles don't have a guy in their rotation right now that you can pencil in for probably 185 innings, let alone 190. So he brings value right there. Bob touched on this. He's got postseason experience. He's pitched well in the postseason. And when you look at the data, it all points to Corbin Burns still being a very, very good pitcher. And let's face it, we know without looking at anything the Orioles look at internally that the Orioles like pitchers who have the traits that Burns has. Some smart people in this industry have pointed out the lines between Kyle Braddis and Corbin Burns. Those guys actually have some parallels, but Burns' stuff is a little bit better, and I, that holds true. So I really do think that the Orioles got their guy in this case. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's kind of funny. I think it's been said in the past, Dean Kramer and Kyle Braddish, like, they look up to Corbin Burns like they modeled their game off of Corbin Burns. And now here he comes in as a veteran, still only 29 years old. So if the Orioles did want to extend him for three or four years or five years, what have you, very feasible to do so. But at least for 2024, guaranteed, Kyle Bradish and Dean Kramer are going to be able to sit in the same locker room uh, and really just pick his brain. You got to think that's only going to make them better, especially Bradish, who's coming off such an electric year. And listening to Rates and Barrels with Eno Saris talking about he thinks there's still a little bit there that Bradish can do to like tick up even more and, and continue that success. And I think having Corbin Burns around is definitely going to enable that as much as possible. And yeah, I think he's seems like a good clubhouse presence. I know probably a little disgruntled. Maybe that explains the rough start to 2023 after that arbitration case. I know there was some some bad feelings between him and the Brewers after that. So yeah, not really concerned. 
bare minimum, this guy's going to be the Kyle Gibson innings eater while also being like Kyle Bradish stuff wise and performance wise. So the best of both worlds there. Yeah. Who's going to replace all those innings uh, Gibson threw last year? Corbin freaking Burns. That's who's going to replace those innings. Uh, plus some. Yeah. I don't, I had written off Corbin Burns too as a potential target just because like we were so focused on Cease because that seemed like the obvious one because the White Sox. Like they're not doing anything this year. They're not doing anything next year. But this Brewers team, like Zach mentioned, they just signed Reese Hoskins, who I, I think could have a tremendous season bounce back. The ACL injury, he should be ready for opening day. But you've got a good young Jackson Churio, one of the top prospects in baseball. Garrett Mitchell, Sal Freelich, Christian Yellick rebounded well last year. Like William Contreras, they got a great catcher behind the plate, at least offensively. Like I I really like this lineup. They're in a super weak division. Like that's easily for the taking. And now you trade away your ace. I don't, I don't understand it either. I'm fine with it. Um, but now your rotation is Freddie Peralta, Wade Miley, Colin Ray, Joe Ross, and DL Hall, according to roster resource. Um, like fine. I'm fine with this. Um, yeah. Burns sitting here, top the rotation. And you talk about the effects of pitching in Baltimore is going to have, I think pulling up baseball savant page, you look at his Fangraphs page and the numbers. Yeah, he probably arguably the worst season of his career. Still a three and a half WAR pitcher. Projection systems are still looking at like a four WAR pitcher next year. Um, but if you look at the Baseball Savant page, like it's all it's not. Don't don't look at it like next to your wife um, or partner. Like this, it's not safe for work. Image the Baseball Savant page and the home runs. Pitching in Camden Yards, I think, was the second lowest uh park 18 home runs yeah estimated 18 home runs allowed at uh camden yards which i'm losing the page here and look at the other ballparks but it was only uh pnc park that was it so it's gonna be huge this is um i don't even have to look at the data or numbers it's corbin burns we know he is a true ace of this staff and you mentioned the rates and barrels yeah i binged because it's pitcher week on rates and barrels so i binged all three starting pitching episodes this afternoon and I, I'm just sitting here a couple of hours ago listening to Eno Saris say that Grayson Rodriguez is a complete pitcher. He's got the command. He's got the stuff. And he's looking at – he sees a future ace. Well, an ace like now in the making for Grayson Rodriguez. And then talking about Kyle Bradish, like you mentioned, as someone who's going to beat the projection system, a lot of the things that he did in the second half of last season point to an even higher ceiling for Kyle Bradish. And when Eno Saris talks, like, I'm going to listen – and how we get to add Corbin Burns on top of those two guys and push two potential Cy Young winners themselves down the rotation. Here we go. Uh, this is this is going to be fun. I think the three of us have been in agreement for most of this offseason that the Orioles were still competitive with the rotation they had in place. You know, you added a fifth starter somewhere behind the mix of Braddis, Rodriguez, Kramer, and Means. And they're still competitive, but they're going to need help down the stretch. They're going to need help if they want to get through the postseason. I feel like that discussion changes with the addition of Burns because now you've got that guy who's going to pitch for you in game one. You've got the guy you want on the mound in the elimination game. So this, I think, changes. You know, There's that initial excitement of him being there on day one this year, but this should change the dynamic for the rest of the 2024 season and into the postseason. Yeah, I think you can give us an A-plus offseason now. I was happy even after yesterday's news or, or two days ago's news. 
nothing would have brought me down. But yeah, I think, you know, do they even need to look into doing anything else uh, before opening day as far as just getting ready for the season? I think, like I was saying earlier, we have the bullets to make another move before the deadline. But what do they do now? Do they just look to kind of, it's just so many ways we could attack this. Like, how does infield shake out now that Ortiz is gone, the bullpen now that Hall is gone? But do you look to just make a small trade like Ramon Arias or an Austin Hayes just, or a Jorge Mateo just to kind of make room? Maybe you trade a couple uh, non-optionable relievers to make some flexibility in the bullpen. But you got to feel really confident about repeating as AL East division champs right now after this move. Yeah, maybe you look at the bullpen and you bring in a little bit of extra help just just in case. Um, I don't really know who's available in free agency, but yeah, there's certainly a number of smaller moves that you could still make at this point. And if you wanted to go out and make another big move, like you again, you traded one prospect, uh, so you still got a full farm system that you can make a deal, or like you roll with this. And now we just talked about yesterday when we recorded about new ownership. You already talk about the hope and optimism moving forward of next offseason being able to land big free agents. Uh, well, now this trade proves like Michael Elias isn't prospect hugging. He's not just hoarding all these guys. It's not Sig sitting back in the office saying, no, you're not trading any of these guys because we're going to win with all of our guys. Like they were waiting for the right deal. And this was it. Um, you can go off and make another deal at the deadline. And this is gives me like hope and optimism that when this team is realizes by the you know, mid season weaknesses are exposed, injuries happened. Like, this team's going to go out and make another big splashy move. I feel like, so I, I don't know. You know, he's a rental hope maybe, but we also have a new ownership <laughs> for now. Like we have a new ownership with uh, a lot of FU money uh, coming into the organization Maybe an extension happens at some point. I don't know. Getting ahead of ourselves a little bit there. But at, again, there's at least optimism that he could be a guy that gets an extension and he's not here just for one year. So. A lot of extensions happen in spring training. Let's start with Corbin, follow up with Adley. Come on, Rubenstein. What do you got for us? Just keep the good news coming. Let's keep these vibes flowing. Uh, I think that I wanted to talk about that a little bit because yeah, this comes just – basically 48 hours or so after we learned that David Rubin's going to be purchasing the team. I have to think the timing is coincidental, but we don't know that for sure. And we're probably not going to know that for a long time. The other thing that I sort of look at is I don't expect Burns to sign an extension. That would have been true if you had gone to the Yankees. I do think he's going to test the open market, but now you at least have a fair shot at keeping him. Whereas before, we would have definitely, you know, this episode we recorded a week ago, we would have said this is a one-year rental. You got to make the most out of it that you can in 2024. Now we can at least feel like maybe there is a shot in 2025. Corbin Burns is still in Oregon. He gets a full year to work with Adley behind the plate, you know, work with this young team, this, this great coaching staff. Drew French is like, man, I come into this situation and it just gets better. Uh you know, maybe he falls in love and maybe instead of having to overpay to get Corbin Burns, we can just pay market value and keep him here. Or who knows, maybe, you know, if it's not an extension, you get that five-day window after the season. Maybe something happens then. But regardless, even just say he's a rental, 
sorry, hit my mic. If just say he's a rental, it's still a great trade, no matter what. Just because you get, I look, I love Joey Ortiz. I'm happy for him. He's going to get a real shot to play every day in Milwaukee. But to lose Joey Ortiz, a draft pick, we still have two more in the top 30, whatever picks, 38 picks, or what have you. And DL Hall, who you know, some people consider him a prospect, Baseball America, and some people don't. But even he was like, you know, plenty of potential, still always going to have that potential. But we were looking at him as a, what, a seventh or eighth inning reliever this year. So I don't know. It's just, uh, it's still hard. To, it hasn't sunk in completely. I'm, I'm not going to lie. Yeah. And that question that Chris has in the chat, would he be subject to draft compensation if he walks next year? So like, could that be a situation where you you bring in Burns for the year, you extend the qualifying offer to him, and maybe he does go test the waters and sign somewhere else, and the Orioles just get that draft pick that they traded away pretty much back? Like that's, I mean, it's not going to be that exact pick; it's going to be later in the draft, but still, I mean, that's that's potentially awesome. Uh, no, it's. I think. I mean, to move, even if he doesn't resign, though. Again, you you didn't trade much in terms of like prospect capital to get him for that one year, and clearly you're pushing the chips in, saying that this is a World Series year. It been saying for the last since since the Orioles were eliminated, it's World Series of bust now for this team. Well, clearly that's the that's the direction they're going now. And so even if it's only just for one year, you didn't overpay in terms of I think trade value. I I don't think the Brewers were fleeced in this deal like a lot of people are are saying. I think it is the Brewers got very good value for Corbin Burns. From the Orioles' perspective, I think it is also tremendous value. It it is possible. It is a win-win trade for both organizations. I'm sure if you're a Brewers fan, you're pretty pissed off and like, what the heck? Um, But it's I think it was fair on both sides. And if it's only for one year, then okay. I think that's a good opportunity now to pivot towards what the Orioles are giving up in this trade. And let's focus on the players that we know we're going in the deal, which are Ortiz and Hall. Obviously, who the Brewers take with that 34th pick, we're months away from knowing. I'll start with Hall because I think that that's the one where maybe some Orioles fans are like, I love this trade, but I hate to see Hall go. Um, And it could be because they still were holding out hope that he could develop into a frontline starter. Maybe it brings back memories of trading some guys that the Orioles have dealt over the years to see them flourish elsewhere. Or maybe, as I know someone pointed out here in the comments, you've created a hole in the back end of the bullpen. So let's just kind of look at that. Really, any angle here, I'll start with you, Nick, because I know that you've been pretty vocal this offseason in saying you think D.L. Hall is a reliever, and it's time to turn the page and focus on that. Knowing yeah. that there is a lot of ceiling there, how do you feel about him going this trade? I'm fine with it, to be honest. I mean, just because, yes, he could. I, I truly believe that he his floor is a dominant late-inning reliever. He's proven success already in that role for the Orioles at the major league level. And then last time we talked about Hall, I did mention, though, that like, I'm all the emotional investment we have put into DL Hall over these last couple of years since he was drafted, the ups, the downs, the injuries, the not pitching, the velo disappearing, the velo coming back, all of this, we still have a lot of hope for DL Hall. Um, and at the same time, there were a lot of positives. You look at the velo did come back and the, the fact we talked about how you know he learned to better command the secondaries, work them in the zone more. Those secondaries were more effective 
the fastball was playing better than ever. It's still an 80 grade fastball. There is still real potential for him to be a big league starter. There's no doubt about that. That's why though, I, I think it's still a gamble. Like there's still no guarantee that he's going to cut it as a starter. Like there's still, I think there's a better chance, obviously that he sticks that in the bullpen, but you're trading that away. A guy who's still not proven that he could be an everyday starter for you in the big leagues. You're trading that away for a bona fide ace, a guy who, what the last what, four years is finished in the top ten, including winning the Cy Young Award. I'm 100 percent down with that. I love Dio Hall. I love the attitude. I love the passion. I love all of it. I hope he is super successful. But I'm fine. It's Corbin Burns, man. Spring is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Super Light Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Try the Super Light Tree Runner with a cushy foam midsole and breathable eucalyptus fiber upper. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. So what can you do in a Super Light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com. Code SUPER24. You got the ace? Yeah, completely agree. I mean, happy for Hall because I have to imagine he was already preparing to come into spring training stretched out and like preparing to be a starter. I think moving to Milwaukee, especially since I assumed, honestly, if if the Brewers were going to trade us uh, Corbin Burns, Dean Kramer would be part of the package going back just because they seem to do that thing where they're buying and selling uh, where Kramer could at least give them innings. But Hall, for them, I love it. I mean, he could at bare minimum be a five and guy, guy that has amazing starts and then some frustrating starts. But coming to the Orioles, he was a guy, a lot of people were locking him into that bullpen role. I was, some of us were saying like, Give him a chance to start. You never know because if it hits, he can be really good. But I just feel like his upside was a little bit uh, curtailed here in Baltimore because most likely he's a seventh inning guy. You know, he's like the lefty version of the setup man with Yanir Cano potentially. And, you know, if Kimbrell faltered and he was lighting it up, he could have been the closer eventually. But now he gets to go to Milwaukee six years of working with a pretty good pitching development team they have over there and try to become a starter of bare minimum they made josh Hader, josh Hader, so he could uh follow in those footsteps as well so happy for hall sucks to give him up seriously was excited to watch him pitch for the orioles this year but at the same time like nick said it, it's corbin burton's like a bona fide ace cy young winner so you got to do it yeah i agree if there's an environment where dl hall can thrive and there, that's a lot of them but milwaukee definitely is a place that can get the most out of hall whether that is as a starter as a reliever and as long as he stays healthy i think that they're going to get real value from him in either position and you know for this year if they are sort of in a transition mode they can try him as a starter um because this is not a strong division some things click for them they could be in the playoffs again without corbin burns so Maybe you do take that chance. I'll go now to Ortiz, though, because we've been Joey Ortiz's biggest fans for a long time. And we've been saying for a few years now, this guy is a legitimate prospect. And even very recently, we're talking about how he could fit into the 2024 Orioles. With that said, we know this organization has a ton of infield depth and Ortiz was blocked. 
coming into this year. So, Bob, I'll start with you. What are your thoughts on the Orioles losing Ortiz, and what kind of career do you see him having? I hate that we lost him because I legitimately think he can be an all-star caliber shortstop, maybe not perennial, but I think he's got that kind of upside and that kind of quality. He hits the ball so hard, and he plays such good defense that literally all he would have to do is hit 240, 250, and be like an offensive force almost because he doesn't walk much, but he hits the ball so hard. All he has to do is lift it a little bit more, chase a little bit less, and I think you know he's hitting over 300 in the minor leagues the last couple of years. So I just think the bat is way better than people think, and that glove is special. We know he can play up the middle as well as anyone. And at the same time, though, we have Gunnar Henderson, Jordan Westberg, Jackson Holiday, Kobe Mayo, Connor Norby, like the list goes on. Like the best case for him here was kind of like that utility guy that can play all around the infield. Maybe he could play center field in a pinch. I don't know if he could ever learn something like that. But, you know, I just don't know if he was ever going to be the regular shortstop here with all the infield talent that we had. I think he's a top 50 prospect in baseball and he's behind like four or five guys. So it's pretty crazy. It was pretty tough for him here. So I'm super excited for him to be able to go to, Milwaukee and and play a lot in the major leagues this year. They have Bryce Terang at second base, Willie Adamas at short. So he's going to get time, second base, shortstop, third base. I'm just I'm really happy for him because I know he deserves an everyday shot in the major leagues, and now he's going to get it. But, yeah, it stings really bad at the same time. Yeah, we can do our memorial for, uh, for Joey Ortiz. It's well-deserved. I mean, the guy – the guy came into this organization and everyone's like he can't hit he can't hit the ball he's glove he's you know he's is he going to get to the major leagues that's i'm going to clip that comment there i think that's all of orioles twitters i'm drunk right now um but you look at the growth his physical growth this year the guy came back from the pandemic that shut down 2020 season he came back jacked and we had um Matt Blood on the show, he talked about how he was meticulous. Joey Ortiz was just meticulous about every single thing he put into his body this year to make sure he was at peak physical condition and really put a ton of work into developing that bat, and it paid off. Yeah, there's, like Bob mentioned, there are some holes in the swing, some flaws he can work on, but and he is getting older, but at the same time, like he's had the injuries, he had the pandemic season. I, I still think he's got a tremendous major league career ahead of him. Um, I don't really – we'll see if the Brewers keep Willie Adamas. I don't know Willie Adamas uh, defensively, like if he's going to be the guy you roll out at shortstop or not. Not familiar with his game. Uh, but regardless, you've got a, a guy who's versatile enough in Joey Ortiz who can play multiple positions for you around the infield. And I think this roster is pretty wide open for him to get plenty of playing time. This, like, this Brewers team – just highlight the pitching staff there. I don't, maybe they've got an idea of another move they're going to make, but like, I love Freddie Peralta. I'm drafting a lot of Freddie Peralta right now, but is he your ace of a playoff team? Is Wade Miley, your number two, 37 year old Wade Miley going to be a strong number two for you? I don't know, but this lineup looks like fantastic for the Brewers. I really do love this Brewers lineup. It's young. It's exciting. Good veteran leadership there. And Joey Ortiz could be a tremendous asset uh, to this organization. So I, yeah, I wish Joey all the best. Just like Del Hernandez, I'm going to be watching a ton of Oakland A's games um, this season. I'm going to be tuning into Brewers games as well to watch Joey and watch DL Hall. It's been fun following them. 
uh, it is sad to see them go, but uh, it's when the first major deal that we get to talk about, not like we traded Zach Showalter. Oh no. Like, but the actual first major deal we make uh, involves one of our guys like Joey Ortiz. It does sting a little bit, but again, uh, it all comes back to the return was Corbin freaking Burns. Uh, and it's a lot of fun. Yeah. And wouldn't be surprised. Like you said, if Willie Adamas gets traded, I think Ken Rosenthal tweeted out that Devin Williams might now be on the table as far as looking to see what they could get for him. Yeah, that that starting pitching rotation. I think DL Hall is going to make the rotation after just looking at the roster resource yeah. there. Um, but yeah, uh, Joey Ortiz going to miss you. But I'm going to love wearing your DH Gate Brewers jersey while I'm watching you on MLB TV this year too. So <laughs> yeah, I don't think that it would be a hot take to say that Ortiz may end up having a better career between him and Hall just because it is that really high floor. The really high four player with what you're going to get out of his shortstop defense. And if the Brewers do trade Willie Adamas, they've got their guy that they can, I think, give the job to next year. And, you know, he's going to have ups and downs in the bats, but I think the defense is going to be there. So this does sting a little bit, but at the same time, it's not often you have an organization where a guy like that is not even your best long-term shortstop or even your best shortstop prospect. And that was the position that the Orioles were in. So they could afford to move on from Ortiz. So I think that in that respect, it is fair to give him up. Yeah. And something else with this trade. Yes, Corbin Burns is a rental, but at the same time, he's one of the top pitchers in baseball. I mean, I'm seeing there's so many tweets out there. Um, I can't keep up with them all. They're all amazing. But, you know, the numbers of breaking him down just picking some of the stats last year from Burns and comparing him to the rest of baseball. I think Eno's projecting him as like the number two pitcher in baseball this coming up season. Like that's unbelievable. So I think what this trade also speaks to is that we haven't been overvaluing these Orioles prospects. People like Joey Ortiz is Joey Ortiz really that good of a prospect. He did help you net Corbin Burns. Now I will think I do think though, the, the thing that we're kind of overlooking here, the draft pick that's involved. I think that's huge. Uh, aspect to this deal that I think the Brewers are super excited to get. So yeah, Joey Ortiz, they're getting a, depending on which list you look at, a top 100 prospect, back into the top 100 prospect. You're getting Hall, who's got starter upside and not a top 100 prospect, but still a young enough arm with plenty of upside. But just like when the Orioles make, made that trade, the Tanner Scott trade, the kicker was getting that draft pick turned into Judd Fabian. So I, th I think that's also a huge piece that, again, if you're the Orioles, you've got, what, three picks in the how many picks we have in the top 100 before this deal three four you move one of them that's okay um but for the brewers that's also a huge get for them yeah that's definitely not something that should be undervalued as as part of this trade it was probably like we'll give you this comp pick or connor Nor norby take your pick and they took the pick um uh that's i mean that's a guess but i think the, the value is kind of along those lines and yeah the good thing is we can give up this draft pick, but we can potentially get another one back by offering him the qualifying offer. If he declines it, if he doesn't extend, if he accepts it, he's back. Great. If he d declines it, we get a pick back around a similar spot that we just traded this one. So I'm thinking that's what uh, Elias and company were thinking along the lines of as far as being willing to part with this one. We still have three picks in the top 100 now, I think, and two in the top 40 at least. So. You know, things are looking up in Birdland. We're just, we just uh, lifted off, I think. 
Absolutely. And I add on to that, that this is where the importance of Gunnar Henderson winning rookie of the year comes into play again, because you still have that extra first round pick to work with. Now, I think we've you know taken a full look at this view and a trade, and I agree with you guys. And I want to shout out Joe Doyle, who pointed out something, which is that the Brewers getting that 34th round pick, and I'll quote him here directly, that's how good small mid-market teams succeed over the long term. That's, that's exactly what you want to do if you're the Brewers, because the 34th pick is maybe what you get for Burns next year if he leaves in free agency. So you get that Hall and Ortiz for one year of Corbin Burns. And as we've kind of pointed out tonight, still have a decent team left without him. That helps, even if it does sting right now for Brewers fans, which I'm sure it does. But turning our attention back to the Orioles for a minute here, we'll have a lot of time over the next couple of weeks to pick apart how the rest of the roster is going to look. And, you know, my hunch is that there could be another move before we come back on the air next week that's worth breaking down. But what's the one sort of ripple effect that the two of you are interested in, whether it's the bullpen, the infield depth without Ortiz, maybe even the pitching depth of AAA. What, what's sort of the burning question in your mind after this trade? For me personally, it's like I was saying before, is first, based off of this trade, it's the bullpen because I think Hall was supposed to be a big part of that. And he was one of the few guys that did have options. So maybe do they sign a Ryan Brazier type of guy now that Cole Irvin could be switched down a little bit to a left-handed swingman in that bullpen. Maybe like there's a small signing or trade for a guy in the bullpen that's not like a big name, like a Devin Williams, but just a guy that's really valuable, really solid. Uh, maybe something like that. And then I'm just as far as going into spring training, like I said, I'm just curious. Yeah, trading Ortiz does clear up a little bit in the infield where I think now you're definitely going to have at least one of Mateo and Urias on that opening day roster. Just as a bench guy, I'm assuming it's Mateo. Do they find a home for Ramon Urias um, and or Austin Hayes now that we're probably going to keep Kowser and Kerstad around? So unless there's just another big pitching trade lined up, which I doubt it at this point, not right now, there's still things and ways to reshape the roster and fits in where they, where they should. Yeah, I was going to I don't know. Like, you've got the pieces to make another deal. We're, we're riding high, sky high right now. Let's go ahead and make another deal. Uh, there is still, like, Santander, Hayes, Mullins, uh, Kowser, Kirstad. Like, you've still got a, a gluttony of outfielders here that you could part with um, to make another deal. I don't, I don't think it maybe happens before spring, but also said I thought yesterday's events uh, wouldn't change anything. I definitely think it's the bullpen as well, just because – I was imagining Deal Hall being in, in this bullpen going into next year. So you do lose that piece. And now you've still got Tyler Wells. You've still got Perez, Danny Colomb, Yenier Cano, Craig Kimbrell. But at the same time, like Dylan Tate, I know he's saying all the right things. The videos look great, but I'm still concerned about Dylan Tate's health. Uh, Michael Bauman, like what is the organization? How does they view Michael Bauman? He had a decent year last year. A lot of guys without options, like someone else mentioned earlier. I don't know. I think that's probably where they turn their attention next to really fortify this bullpen and make sure that it is as stone cold lockdown as it can be going into the season because you've got the rotation that can now get you to the playoffs and a playoff worthy rotation. 
But this bullpen, I still do think there's a lot of pieces here, but I do still think there are some some question marks that that do need to be addressed. Again, the, the Felix Batista thing, like that's that was a massive, massive, massive loss. And Kimbrell himself is not going to be able to fill that void. Uh, they're going to need more pieces. So we'll see uh, what the Orioles decide to do with that. But yeah, shout out to my neighbor Alex Colson, who's a Phillies fan. Uh, not not a big King Kimbrel fan, as uh, might be predicted. But you know, just running down what is in our bullpen right now, I have Kimbrel, Cano, Wells, Danny Coulomb, Jacob Webb, Cianel Perez, Mike Bauman, Dylan Tate, Cole Irvin. You could make an upgrade there, or you could trade like uh, Bauman and Perez or Webb for someone with more options. Um, but yeah, I think there's a move to be made there still. Yeah, I agree. I think that if you see another notable move over the next six weeks or so, it is going to be in the bullpen. Losing D.L. Hall does hurt, and it hurts for a lot of the reasons that I talked about in a recent episode, and one of them being that I saw him as maybe an insurance policy in case things didn't go well with Craig Kimbrell this year. But if there is an area of the roster that I'm confident this regime can fill with even a minor move, it's the bullpen. Uh, Danny Colomb's success last year, Yenier Cano. Um, then you go back to 2022, CNL Perez, and he's pits well enough that he's still in the mix two years later. They can find a guy to back to fill some of those innings. It might not have the ceiling of DL Hall, but they can find another reliever to eat up some of those innings and still be productive for you. So there is a hole there on the roster but it's one that I'm confident they can fill. Yeah, I agree. And it might even be internally. You already got Jonathan Heasley. That's an option. They just signed Andrew Suarez. There's some potential there. Minor league deal. Obviously, Keegan Gill is. They brought back uh, Juanis and Charles. Even guys like Chase McDermott, um, Cade Povich, Kyle Bronovich. These are guys that could be options in a bullpen as well. So, yeah. And, and like Texas Orioles on Twitter says, we still have a solid bullpen. And I agree. Like all these guys are super solid. Got Brian Baker has options. I know <laughs> Orioles fans don't want to hear that, but you know, there's, it's plenty solid. And I agree with you, Zach, that they could make a waiver claim tomorrow or some minor league trade and, and find someone that could easily come in and, and help out big time in the middle innings. But yeah, not too worried about the bullpen, but I could see if there's a, spot that could be upgraded that could be one yeah definitely not saying it's a bad bullpen just when you're comparatively speaking now uh it's kind of falls down the pecking order a little bit they did just sign andrew suarez uh maybe that's why they knew this trade was happening but no you do have baker does have the option vespi has the option uh i know orioles fans don't want to hear this name either but keegan aiken i i said before i think the orioles like keegan aiken a lot more than probably most orioles fans like keegan aiken and in terms of like just small time usage to get you through this long season, I think those three guys can provide just a little bit of value. So there's definitely some depth options available right now. But yeah, it's just the whole deal. I mean, what a night uh, for real. I, I was he was hesitant about everything, and now I am full go. Uh, looking ahead to this season, this team is going to be fun. Seems going to be a whole lot of fun. And it's in terms of just like baseball in general, like I said, this is a win-win trade for both teams. And I think that's awesome. It's good for baseball. Both teams are going to get success out of this. And I'm, I'm excited to watch all three guys that were traded uh, ended up having successful 2024 seasons. 
Couldn't agree more. And yeah, man, if I wasn't already excited for spring training starting in like, what, 10, 11 days, at least I think the first camp started opening then. Uh, even more so now. Let's go. I'm ready. Can't wait to see the quotes. I st we still get to analyze the next Michael Elias presser after the, the sale of the team. And once the sale becomes official, we get to see what Mr. Rubenstein says at his press conference. So plenty of exciting things ahead. But man, this week, what a week. Enjoy it, Orioles fans. It has been quite the week. And good news for those of you listening to this on our main feed. There's another episode dropping this week because we recorded one on Wednesday night that's still relevant because we talked about a bunch of players who were not part of this trade. We didn't talk about Corbin Burns being the opening day starter for the Brewers. So all of that content is still good to go, and we will be releasing that episode this week. In the meantime, you can check us out on any of our social media channels, including Facebook, Instagram, Threads, X, TikTok. We're also over at Substack. OriolesOnTheVerge.substack.com and at Patreon where you can sign up right now for as little as $3 a month to become part of our community and at the $5 and $10 levels have access to our daily countdown of top 50 prospects. We're just coming up on the top 25 now. You are going to need to make a change there. That. Oh, that's true. We are going to have to make a change. So we're going to actually have a 51st prospect enter the list here soon. You're not going to want to miss that. For Bob Phelan and Nick Stevens, this is Zach Spedden. You've been listening to Orioles on the Verge, part of the Believe Podcast Network. Spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24.